Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And I want to look uh, today at this uh, topic of responsibility. Proverbs chapter 6. Let's, um, let me read this passage to you. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. And then I want you to notice, let's start with children, see if the children notice something uh, unusual, maybe odd about the grammar in this passage. So Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11, looking for something sort of unusual in the grammar here. Proverbs 6, verse 6, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Uh, who notices something about the grammar in that passage? It's uh, maybe a little bit odd, uh, considering that he's talking about ants. Let's start with Kezia. For lazy. That's, that's a good answer. That's not the one I noticed. There's the train. Got the doors open because it's uh, hot in here, which is good. We're gonna see if we can get it to cool down. But Caleb, you had a, a thought. Was that yours? I thought you raised your hand. I forgot. Okay, all right. I learned this trick when I was teaching. If you don't call on someone right away, they often forget what they were gonna say. You just move on. Anyone else? Notice it says, go to the anthos, consider her ways and be wise. It talks about her meat, her food. Now let me ask you a question. If you are talking about a person or an animal and you don't know if it's male or female, which pronoun do you, you usually use? The male, right? You might say go to its food or his food, but you only use female if you're sure it's female. Now my question for you is how did Solomon know that the ants that do all the work were female? Can you imagine him picking up the little ants? Hmm, male or female? <laughs> I mean, it's it's only God's um, inspiration of Scripture that leads us to understand that ants. Now, scientists will tell you all the ants that do the work in the nest are female. There are male ants, but they don't do any work. They're called drones. How many of you know male uh, human drones. I do. They don't do any work. They sit around the house, right? Uh, they do have a purpose, but uh, they, they don't do anything. That's that's ant. Male ants don't do anything. They just sit around the nest. All of the worker ants in a nest are female. But how would you know that unless God told you? There's a man I know whose father-in-law became a Christian because he was reading the Bible, very skeptical about the Bible, but he came across this passage and it was like, Wait a minute, now that has got to be God. Because otherwise, how does Solomon know that these ants, the worker ants that he sees, are all females? And, uh, so I just bring that to your attention. We're going to talk about responsibility. What are some other words that are related to responsibility? What are some other words related to responsibility? Anyone uh, raise your hand? And I'm going to turn that one on. Okay, I think that uh, pack is on now. If you want to turn on this other mic, I'm going to step away here. Anyone... Uh, I'm going to take a guess. Another word for responsibility. Marcus. Overseer. Guy. Yeah, not in the passage. I'm just talking about in general. Uh, words for responsibility. Esther. Committed. Committed. I like that word. Committed. Yeah. What other words? If someone is responsible, they are committed. Is one. They are 
Dependable. That's another word I wrote down. If someone's responsible, they're dependable. You can say, hey, would you please do this? And they do it. Right? Good. What's another word for responsible? Yes, Caleb? Guilty. Guilty. Yeah, they're the responsible party. They're the guilty party. That's not one I had in there, but thank you. That's good. It made your thinking. The word I wrote, another word I wrote down that's a good Bible word is faithful. The person who's responsible is faithful. They can be counted on. They're dependable. Um, I, I, I have made it my goal as the pastor of Elmira Baptist Church. Some of you have talked to me about this. I made it one of my goals. I have others. One of my goals is to develop men. And uh, you may ask me, well, why not women? Well, there's a good reason that I don't work hard to develop women. I do focus on developing men. And that is because women usually are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. <laughs> Just saying. Often. It's often us men, we're, you know, sort of hanging back. And I mean, I'm about, I was going to throw someone under the bus. I'm not going to do that. But it's often us men. We just, you know, hey, the women want to do it, right? My wife wants to clean the house. She can clean the house, right? Then she says to me, why did you vacuum? Because it doesn't look dirty enough yet. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just the way we are. And spiritually speaking, it's often true. You can get women to come to a prayer meeting, and the men all stay home. You can get women to do a Bible study. They get their books out. They fill in the answers. Us men were too busy. I mean, the woman has five children, right? And the guy doesn't even help. But he can't find time to do the Bible study. And so I make it my goal to focus on developing maturity in men. Now, again, I don't say you women don't need maturity or that I don't want anything to do with you. I'm, of course, as your pastor, I want to be a help. But, men, I'm watching you. I am. Are you developing uh, Christian maturity? And... I'll tell you, there's two things that are required if you're going to develop Christian maturity. Number one, you do have to be committed. That's the word that Esther gave us. you got to be committed. You will never develop Christian maturity if you are uncommitted to Jesus Christ. Don't be committed to me. Don't be committed to this church. Commit yourself to Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus love? He loved the church. You'll commit yourself to the church. I bet that, that'll take care of itself. But there's a second thing that often are lacking. I can meet sometimes men. Sometimes I meet men, and they want to be committed. They, they say all the right things. Pastor, I need to do this. I need to pray more. I need to be there on Sundays. I should come to the Wednesday night men's Bible study. I should meet with someone for discipleship. But you know, they lack follow through. They say those things. You know, I, boy, I should come to the Wednesday, Wednesday night men's Bible study. Yes, you should come. I'll text them on Wednesday morning. Hey, looking forward to seeing you tonight at 7 o'clock. They ghost me. Never hear anything. They don't show up on Wednesday night. Finally, finally, I tracked them down. What happened? Well, they don't have a reason. They just are not responsible. I don't know if you've noticed, but responsibility, finding responsible people in the United States is becoming increasingly hard. My children have jobs and uh, they're responsible, but they've told me that if you show up to work, do the work you're assigned and stay for your entire shift, you're considered above average worker. Now, I always thought that was just, I mean, everyone did that, right? You're scheduled, you come into work, and you stay the whole time and you do what you're told to do. That, that's what work is. But I guess there's a lot of people today, and not just age. I'm, I'm, I'm saying my children tell me, because where I work here at the church, people do their work, okay? I'm just, but I'm just saying, where they are working, There'll be someone there, you know, they're hiding out in the bathroom. They call in sick when they're not sick. And 
Why? Because they lack responsibility. Now, sometimes I've been encouraged. In my ministry, I've been encouraged. You know what you need to do is you need to train leaders. You need to train people to be leaders. I don't disagree with that entirely, but let me ask you the question. If any one person is going to be a leader, what does that require the other people to be? Followers. I mean, if this guy's leading and nobody's following him, he can be a trailblazer, right? He can be a, a, a pathfinder, but he's not a leader because he's not leading anybody. So in any setting, whether it's the home, whether it's classrooms, whether it's the church, there are going to be more followers than leaders by definition. You understand that? Not everybody in this room can be a leader in the church because if we were all leaders, who are the followers? If we're all chiefs, who are the Indians? Is that racist to say that now? I don't mean anything racist about it. I'm just talking about that. So, but we can all be responsible. In fact, God calls everyone from Hattie back there in the back, and, and even, that's Isaac, it's Gabe over there. There's Gabe. You know, Gabe has little responsibility, some responsibility in his house. All the way up here to, to Billy, he's got responsibilities. Now, Gabe's responsibilities and Billy's responsibilities are very different. But they both have responsibilities. And what I want to encourage you to consider today is what is your responsibility. Again, humanly speaking, we're very good at seeing the other guy's responsibility, right? I know where my wife is falling down on the job. And my wife knows where I'm falling down on the job. That's not helpful. What's helpful is me to know what my responsibility is and how I'm going to be responsible. So this passage has a lot to say about responsibility, and you're going to help me see that. Uh, here's the first word. When it talks about when we talk about being responsible, and we read this passage and we put those together, I want you to notice the first thing about responsibility. Look with me at verse seven, uh, 6. It says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. So here's some wisdom for us. Verse 7, which having no guide. If the ants have no guides, and they don't, there's no, there aren't guide ants that tell the other ants what to do. There are queen ants. They lay a bunch of eggs, and they, they reproduce for the, for the community. But, but there's no leader ants. The worker ants just seem to know what they are to do. If, if, a, if an ant has no guide, no leader to tell it what to do, what is a quality that the ant must have if the nest is going to survive? Think, let's think of a word here that we can put. I got the word, but let's see if you can think of the same word I do. What's that word, Sheila? Wisdom. Wisdom is a good word. That's not the word I have, but that's a good word. Franklin. Responsibility. Responsibility, yes. That's the word we're focused on. So let's think of a word that's similar to that, but that's different. David. Instinct. Instinct. That's one of the words I wrote down. And initiative. Instinct and initiative. They've got to do it on their own because nobody's going to tell them what to do. Now, how many of you, you work at, at a place where there's more than one worker who's supposed to do the same job? You work at a place where there's more than one worker that's supposed to do the same job. For example, Marcus drives a truck and there's other truck drivers and they all have similar responsibilities. Get the load from this point to that point and back and don't hit anything because <laughs> they drive cement trucks, right? So I'm, I'm just because Marcus raised his hand, just think about Marcus for a second. Are there some people that show initiative and they get to their trucks and I don't know what's involved in the cement truck, but they get the work done, they get the cement from point A to point B, they wash their trucks out, right? That's really important. 
And then I'm sure, I am sure that there are drivers at his company that need to be constantly reminded to do things. Right? Uh, set your brake when you're dumping cement. I mean, you think, well, of course they know that. Well, they know it, but they have to be told, right? Uh, wash your truck out thoroughly after you dump a load of cement, right? They have to be told because they don't have initiative. Now, we're not surprised when little kids don't have initiative. Can I pick on Gabe? Gabe, can I pick on you? Okay, you shake your head yes. Okay, he's not shaking his head. I'm going to pick on you anyway. Okay, yeah. you know, it doesn't surprise me if Gabe needs to be reminded what his responsibilities are. He's a boy. He's still learning. I remember being a boy. I knew what my mom wanted me to do, but I forgot constantly. And my mom would say, how many times do I have to tell you? And I, I would say, disrespectfully, and I, this is not right, children plug your ears, I'd say, well, that's why God gave you 18 years. Because it just takes, you got to tell them over and over and over. Okay, that's a child. We expect that. I don't expect that out of Billy, and I'm just picking on Billy, he's the other end of the spectrum. If Billy has to be told over and over what to do, he is lacking maturity and responsibility. The first aspect of responsibility from this passage, if we're going to go to the ants and we're going to learn something from them, is if you're going to be responsible, you need to take initiative. Let me give you an example for, from, again, kids' life that sort of helps us adults even. I knew one of the responsibilities I had one of the responsibilities I had as a teenager was to unload the dishwasher, okay? I knew when the dishwasher needed to be unloaded, when the dishes were clean, right? <laughs> if it was dirty, I didn't unload it. But as soon as the dishes were clean, I was welcome to unload the dishwasher. If I had initiative, I did, I unloaded the dishwasher. If I had initiative, I unloaded the dishwasher without what? Without being told. If I didn't have initiative, my mom or my dad would say, the dishes in the dishwasher are clean. You should unload them. Oh yeah, okay. Responsibility isn't waiting until mom and dad tell me what to do. That's not responsibility. Responsibility requires initiative. First word, initiative. You see the work that needs to be done, and without being told what to do, you do it. Now. Let's apply that to the church now, make application to the church. I mentioned five aspects of Elmira Baptist Church's ministry this morning, and I mentioned them last week. Let's see if we can get them. Raise your hand and give me one of the five. Marcus. Evangelism. Very important. Let's think about this for a minute. We all need to take initiative in evangelizing the lost. Now, I can come to you, and I'm going to pick on my daughter here. I can come to Elsie and say, Elsie, you know, you really need to give the gospel out today. Yeah, Dad, you're right. Uh, 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 Carly, give the gospel out to them. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Pastor. Okay. But that's not initiative. You know you're to give out the gospel. You know you're to sow the gospel. Notice I, I did not say you know you're supposed to get people saved. None of us get people saved. Amen. But we're giving out the gospel. Like Marco said, he's going to fill up his car. There's a bunch of open pumps. Why don't I go to the farthest pump away from that guy? And avoid conversation at 6 o'clock in the morning because I'm tired and my, and my mind is... And he says, no, God wants me to talk to that guy. So what does he do? He takes the initiative. Uh, what's, a, what's another one? We could spend some time there, but let me ask this question and leave it here with you. Think about the last seven days. What have you done to take the initiative to sow the gospel? Just sow the gospel. Get on track. Invite someone to join us. Open up a conversation about Jesus. 
I, and I know it's awkward, but God calls us to do that. If we're going to be responsible, we're going to take the initiative and we're going to do it without being told. Let's let's take uh, another word of those five. Yes, Patty. Edify. Say that again. Edify. Edify. To disciple each other, to edify one another. I use both words. Edify, disciple. Same idea. We're going to build each other up. Again, initiative. You can wait until I come to you and say, hey, have you considered meeting with so-and-so to study the Bible? You can wait. And from time to time, I've come to some of you and I've said, have you considered meeting with so-and-so? And you know what's always exciting to me? Is when I come to one of you, and this has happened many times, and I'll say, have you considered meeting with so-and-so to, to study the Bible? And you say, yeah, I've already started meeting with them. I've already started meeting with them. That's great. You say, well, I would like for you to tell me because I'm worried that, don't worry about it, just meet people and study the Bible with them. You can study the Bible with a peer if you both are spiritually at the same point, maturity-wise, spiritually at the same point. You can still study the Bible together and both grow. I'm primarily thinking about those of you who are more mature in Christ, finding people who are less mature in Christ, and meeting with them to study the Bible. You don't need me to tell you to do that. You know you're to do that. So be responsible, take initiative, be like the ant who doesn't have a guide, but still gathers. Notice what it says, her meat and her food. Don't, don't focus on the feminine pro, pronoun. What is that telling us about the ants? When it comes to initiative, when it comes to responsibility, the ant is gathering her meat the ant is gathering her food. What's another word that describes that attitude in ants? Or another phrase? Help me out here. Don't, don't bail. I know it's, it's afternoon. We're all tired. Yes, Franklin? Harvest. Harvest is a good word. That's not the word I'm thinking of. What are they? What is the ant doing? Yes, Esther? Determination. Determination. That's a better word than I have. The word I have is ownership. But they're taking ownership. But they're determined. This is mine. Right? You know what, what it is? Let me just help you here. Getting ahead of myself. Let me just help you here. <clears throat> this is your church. It's not my church. I mean, we could say it's our church, and it's fine. And I understand it's Jesus' church. But what I'm saying is this church and the ministry of this church belongs to us. Amen. So sometimes people will come and say, well, you know, Pastor, I think you ought to. Well, why does it have to be me? Could you do it? I mean, it is our church. You don't need to wait for me to do it. If, if the Lord puts it in front of you, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Right? Take ownership. Be responsible. So initiative and instinct is the first word combination we're going to use for responsibility. Initiative and instinct. Now look at the next word there in verse 7. We might not get to the whole passage, but... That's okay. Overseer. The guide has no, excuse me, the ant has no guide. The guide tells the ant what to do, right? If there were to be an ant guide, there isn't. A guide tells us what to do. What does an overseer do? Yes, AJ. Make sure we do. Yeah, okay. So the guide says, okay, you got to do this. And then the overseer comes along and says, okay, yeah, you did it or you didn't. Because the overseer has the big plan, doesn't he? So he understands what part of the plan you have and, and what you're doing. Uh, if we can go back to Marcos's cement company, there's a dispatcher, right? The dispatcher knows how many loads of concrete, how many yards 
of concrete a job needs and is supposed to dispatch to direct a certain number of trucks, not only to get there, but to make sure that that amount is met and then cut it off. Because I'm sure there are times a truck breaks down, doesn't get to the destination, and the overseer can't say, well, I sent out 10 trucks. Well, only nine made it. Well, tough, not my problem. He's gotta have the plan, he's gotta execute the plan. But he, notice, notice that the, the ant has no overseer. So if the first word we saw was initiative, here's the next word we see is planning. You've got, if you're gonna be responsible, you must be able to plan for yourself. Understand what the big picture is and then what your part in that picture is. If I can go back to the John Wooden illustration, you remember he said that there were three keys to a winning basketball team. Number one, having better players than the other team. Number two, making sure those players put the team first. Because I've seen a lot of basketball teams, they have great talent. And all these, every player, all five players want to show off. They want you to know they're the best person on the team. Nobody else matters. They can win the game by themselves. The, the, at the high school level, when I was playing in high school, I was a player at that time. We came up against a team. They were out in Hood River. This is up in Oregon, out in Hood River. They said, they have a guy who scores 40 points a game. Now, at the high school level, you can win a game 40, 50 points. You know, he scores 40 points a game. Great. We, we did a little bit of extra things. We let him score his 48 points. The other, the rest of the team scored eight points, and we scored 52, and we won. Because it doesn't matter what one guy does. It's a team. So here's what I'm saying. When it comes to an overseer, understand the plan of Elmira Baptist Church and where you fit into it. And rather than be worried about whether you get recognition, worried about whether you're the most important member, whether you, whether you are getting recognized for what you're doing, just worry about making sure your job gets done. That's responsibility. Amen. Okay, I'm going to show initiative. I'm going to make sure my job's done right. It's completed. It's done the way it needs to be done. That's part of responsibility. Here's the next word in verse 7. The ant has no ruler. Has no ruler. Now, what would a ruler do if there were an ant ruler? Imagine one of the ants, you know, puts on a special crown and uh, gets to be the ruler. Think with me, what would the ant ruler's likely responsibility be? What would the ant ruler do? Someone has answered a question yet. Daniel. Dictate. Yeah, dictate. Right. And yes. Think one step beyond dictate. He's dictating, or she, maybe the ant ruler would be a woman, uh, her, right? Uh, why would she be dictating? I mean, if the ants do their job, they don't need dictation, right? They don't need to be told what to do. So take it one more step for me, Daniel. What What is the role of the ruler? Not just to dictate, but also to control. That's a good word. Control is a good word. Organize. Organize and delegate. delegate, motivate. This is your job. Come on, you can do this. Now, a ruler usually does it the other way. You're going to do this or I'm going to beat you. <laughs> but let's take it from a coach's side, right? A lot of times a coach is just a motivator. The person, the basketball player has in himself and his, he's practiced, he's got what he needs to win the game, but he steps onto the court and he sees that the other team is bigger. And he thinks, I can't win this. And the coach motivates, come on, you can do this. Come on, come on, we can win this. We practiced, we know our plan. It doesn't matter how tall those guys are. I remember playing on a junior high team. 
junior, I was in junior high, right? We come up to the basketball court, and one of the guys has like a five o'clock shadow at three o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, who are we playing? <laughs> later he gets in his car and he drives away. I'm thinking these are supposed to be junior hires. Well, we found out later, true story, found out later that they were part of a religious group that started their children in school about two years later. So this kid was 16 years old and in junior high. Okay. So sometimes what a coach needs to do is just motivate his players. Come on, we can do it. By the way, we didn't beat that team. <laughs> we can do it. Come on, let's motivate. Now let me ask you, what should be the Christians? We're going to be responsible Christians. We're going to have initiative. We're going to have planning. We're going to be motivated. What is the Christian's highest motivation? This is not a hard question, not a trick question. Think with me. What is the Christian's highest motivation? What is the, there are other things that might motivate us, but what is for us the highest reason, the most pure reason that we can want to serve Gabe? To glorify God. Thank you, Gabe. I love that answer. Let me substitute a different word for to glorify God. To love God. He's exactly right. I, I hope you don't serve God because you're trying to make me happy. Sometimes people will say, well, I just don't think the pastor notices what I do. You, you may be right. I've got two eyes, and I don't see everything. But let me tell you who sees everything. God sees everything. Amen. And even if I don't notice... Even if you don't get applause on this side, you don't want applause on this side of heaven because that robs you of your reward. Mm -hmm. God says, if you recognize, Jesus told his disciples, if you recognize on this side of heaven, you've got your reward. Mm -hmm. You want God to see what you do. Mm -hmm. That needs to be your highest motivation. I love God. Now, again, I, I don't want to give you the impression that motivation is never important. I want to do what I'm called to do to motivate you. But if I have to motivate you, that's only going to last usually for Sunday and maybe Monday. And you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, well, maybe you get motivated again on Wednesday, right? But seriously, you need to be motivated every day by your personal love for God. You love God. I'm going to serve him today. So if you're going to be a responsible Christian, number one, initiative. Number two, planning. Number three, motivation. But notice this third, uh, fourth word, really important. Uh, it's not a word, it's a, it's a phrase. That the ant provides her meat in the summer, gathers her food in the harvest. What does that tell us? What word describes what the ant is doing there? In the summer, in the harvest, the ant is gathering her food. What, what word or phrase des describes that? Someone who has an answer when you yes, Hattie. God is working. That's right. But what word is just in general describes that sort of attitude? Okay, it's summertime, time to work. Okay, it's harvest, time to work. By the way, how many of you grew up on a farm? I did not. But how many of you grew up on a farm? I came real close. I picked strawberries one summer. Does that count? <laughs> no. You know what I learned about picking strawberries? If you don't pick them in time, they get moldy. And most people, in fact, everyone I know doesn't like moldy strawberries. <laughs> so here's the word I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Instinct, yes, we need that planning. We didn't need that. We need motivation. But we also need timeliness. We need to do it at the right time. It doesn't do us any good to be uh, excited about a work and to get a plan together, <clears throat> get ourselves all motivated, all worked up. Meanwhile, there goes the opportunity. 
And we come to the task and it's already done. Some of you remember a couple of weeks ago when we had that windstorm on Sunday, it blew shingles all over the property. And uh, I had some other things to do Monday morning and I figured they'd be there Monday afternoon. So I did my Monday morning things. I came over Monday afternoon. In fact, I brought Caleb along with me. We came over to pick up shingles and guess what? They were already picked up. I still don't know who did it. I asked one of you, that person said I didn't do it. I, so I don't know who did it, but thank you. Whoever came and beat me here and picked up the shingles, thank you. But here's my point. It doesn't do me any good to come late to do the work that God's called me to do. Jeremiah 8, 20 says this. The summer, excuse me, the harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. Now, Jeremiah is talking about a tragic situation in Israel's history where they had a chance to repent and turn back to God and God would have rescued them. They didn't do it. And now judgment was coming. Even if they turned around and they said, God, you're right, we're so sorry, judgment was coming. It's too late. We've got to be timely. Now, I know things happen that make us late every once in a while. Yeah, I'm late too. But we need to know what God's timing is so that we can be there when God wants us to be there. Imagine if Marcos would have, on that day he's supposed to get gas, come up to that gas station and he's running late for work and he looks at his watch. I'm going to be late already. I don't have time to stop and talk to this guy. He's more likely to pull into the gas station, pump his gas pack. He won't even pump a whole tank because he doesn't have time. He's going to jump back in his tough car and go, is that the car that doesn't go 70? Yeah. Well, he needs to get a faster car. But here's my point. We've got to, we've got to leave. I like to say it this way because I, I, I used to make animal balloons. And with animal balloons, you have to leave a little bit of air at the end of the balloon if you're going to make anything. And in our lives, we can be so tightly wound that we just don't have any time for anybody. And that's not a healthy place to be. Because there's things that I cannot put off. There are times I can put things off and I can say to someone that's happened recently, someone said, can I talk to you today? I said, is it important? Because if it's not important, can you talk to me tomorrow? And the person was very kind said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Great, I'll talk to you tomorrow. But there's times people say, no, pastor, I need to talk to you today. And if I say, I am just... Today is just too busy. I may miss an opportunity to serve. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be responsible. I also have to be timely. I have to be aware that time is a precious commodity. And I, I can't just schedule it all. I, I know some people, they've got their whole life scheduled down to, what, 15-minute increments. And praise the Lord for those people. But I, I don't actually think that's healthy. Because things happen. And then you get frustrated because I don't have any time for this. You know, flat tire. I didn't schedule time to change my tire. Who does? I don't. So be responsible. Be timely. Be aware of time. Understand that there is a time to work and there's a time to rest. The number one reason that I'm familiar with why Christians don't get up in the morning and spend time with God, if they're a morning person, is because they stay up too late at night. I, I've been there. It, I get so tired sometimes that I don't want to go to bed. You say, what? Well, because if you go to bed, i got to take my contacts out. I'm supposed to rinse them right and clean them a little bit. And i got to brush my teeth. And i got to change. My wife doesn't like it when I come to bed in my clothes like this, right? So I'm just so tired, I don't even want to start that process. And so I'll stay up an extra hour. And then the next morning, what? I'm so tired. Listen, if we're going to be responsible Christians, we have to understand the value of time. There is a time to go to bed. There, 
what is Bible saying? It's vain for you to stay up late. Now you say it's also vain to rise up early. Yeah, I know. God gives his beloved sleep. That's exactly what Psalm 127 teaches us. There's a time for things. And if we're going to be responsible, we have to be timely. Here's the last uh, word I'm going to bring to your to your attention. Um, uh, verse uh, uh, 8 again. Provideth and gathereth. That word provide means to make ready. In other contexts, it means to establish. Right? We've got a problem. We've got to Got to get. Uh, we've got something that's weak, and we've got to establish it. But in this case, because we're talking about food, we're talking about preparing or making something ready. Gathering, of course, means to bring in stuff. And whether you're providing or you're uh, making things ready or you're bringing in a harvest, that all takes work. That's one of the reasons I'm so glad I did not grow up on a farm because I had friends who grew up on a farm, and there was always work to do on a farm. There's a fence to repair. There's chickens to, that are going to hatch. You've got to put them in the incubator. The cow is giving birth to a calf, and that means there's always work. Work, 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 work. I talked to a guy. He had done dairy farming in Michigan, and in the winter, of course, he had the, 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 the this is Michigan, so they bring all the cows into the barn pretty much for several months, all the cows in the barn, which means you've got to carry out all the manure, and you've got to bring back all the feed. And then you've got to milk them twice a day. And then in the summer, you've got to plant the right crops so you have all the silage, all the feed you need for the winter. I mean, it's just work, 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 work. He said he just felt this huge load come off his shoulders when he finally sold that dairy. There is no days off with dairy work. The cows need to be milked twice a day. They need to be fed. They need to be their stalls cleaned up. It's work. And I think sometimes the reason we're not responsible Christians is because it's work. And I don't know about you, but I'm lazy. I just in, in my heart, when I'm giving into the flesh, when I just live for myself, I am lazy. Now, what I tell myself is I'm efficient. I'm not going to do that because it's going to be a waste. You know, no, no, I'm just lazy. That's what I am. I just don't want to do the work. If you're, gonna, if you're going to make progress in your Christian life, if you're going to have a ministry to other people, it's going to take work. You say, well, what's the easiest way to do this? Usually that's the wrong way. Yes. The easiest way is usually the wrong way to do things. And if I can use Marcos' as an example one more time, I've done enough concrete work to know you don't want to do concrete work the wrong way. Because to break up all that concrete and do it right, that's even more work. Better show initiative, better plan, better be motivated, better be timely, because when that concrete's set, you're not moving it. You're not adjusting it. You have one choice. Break it up, throw it away, pour new concrete. When it comes to the Christian life, it takes work. And so many of us are not growing spiritually because we are, frankly, not working. What does 2 Timothy 2.15 say? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. That's implying there that to study the Bible takes work. And I said it again this morning, I don't want to, I do want to beat this dead horse. Let me hit it again. You cannot become a disciple of Jesus Christ using an app on your phone. Now, I'm not saying your phone will never help you. Maybe you have a verse on your phone, praise the Lord. I do read my Bible on my phone from time to time if I'm in a location suddenly and I realize I have time. Okay, I'm not saying you can never do anything on your phone. But your phone will not make you a better disciple of Jesus Christ. 
And I know there are churches out there. I, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. But there's churches out there that are telling their people, listen, just download our app and we'll make you a disciple. That is garbage. It takes work. It's not something you can do two minutes here, two minutes there. To study your Bible takes work. Be the responsible Christian. Initiative, planning, motivation, timeliness, and effort. There just isn't any shortcut to becoming a mature Christian except to be responsible. And I need, again, if I can, can uh, just hit this point one more time, I need, more, more than, than the women, I need us men to be responsible. I do. I, I, I talk to the ladies who lead the ladies' Bible study. It's not uncommon for the ladies to come and they, they have their study done. And they've got some questions. and Maybe they even have some other questions of their own from the study. I can remember times, men, on Wednesday night, we'll meet, how many of you have read this chapter? One hand, maybe two. Why? We're not that busy, are we? We just don't make it a priority. Or we're lazy. Or we figure, well, you know, the pastor's going to spoon feed it to us. One of these times I should just come to that Wednesday night study and say, okay, we're going to find out what you learned this week. Let's be responsible. Let's teach our children responsibility. It's great for children to have chores. Make it their, Make it theirs. Let them own it. You know what we, what the mistake we make is we tell our child, okay, this is your chore, and then when they don't do it, we do it. Because it's just easier than making them do it. They need a ruler. They need an overseer. Make your child do the work. You're not helping if you take that over. Wives, don't do for your husband what he needs to do for himself. Don't do for your husband what he needs to do for himself. And I'm speaking to myself because my wife loves me, but... She's learned. Sometimes she just lets me sit there and flounder. <laughs> Listen, she'll say, it's your responsibility. I, I mean, here's my advice. I'll pray for you, but you got to do it. And I'm glad she does. Don't do for your husband what he needs to do for himself. Responsibility. What are the five words? What's the first one? Initiative. The second word? Planning. Have a plan. Don't make someone else give you a plan. You have your plan. Third word? Motivation, good. Fourth word, timeliness. And fourth, a fifth word is effort. Effort. Let's be responsible. Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to, to study your word here in Proverbs. Thank you for these wonderful testimonies of your work in people's lives. Um, it, it's just amazing what you're doing here at Elmira Baptist Church. Not because we're great people, not because we have deserved it, not because we're working hard or being responsible, but simply because you're a good God. And help us to take that investment that you've made in us, made in our character, you've made in our church, and take that investment and reinvest it wisely so that your work, your plan for our church, for our community, for our families can go forward. Help us men to be responsible, uh, to take ownership, to do what needs to be done, to do the planning, to put in the effort to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.